Oh, it's horrible. They're so mean. They are so mean. Do you know if these animals do anything good? Like, other than, like, you know... Exist. Chamber of Commerce. What is it called? Hey everyone, my name is Nick. And my name is Kat. Thanks for listening to our podcast, Made for You and Me, an entertaining and educational podcast on the history, geology, wildlife, and other fun facts within America's best idea, the national parks. I noticed your change. I flipped it. I love it. It's better. I'm a fan. I think so too. But also what matters most is that you like it because you're the one saying it. So as long as you like it, great. I like everything. (laughs) (laughs) we're in really good moods today because i mean cat's just like in a good mood but i'm especially in a good mood because i figured out this incredibly complicated tech situation we got last week's episode wasn't horrible but like you can definitely tell there was something different about our mics but we're back in it i'm feeling good was it more than just a hard reset what do you mean like how did you fix it oh i just had to like because I have, like, all the settings saved because, like, I yeah, like, I keep yeah. everything, like, up in my computer. And so stuff was happening. And then I, like, restarted my computer but then had to re-get together all the settings for the microphones, like the inputs and the outputs and everything that we're using. So Heard. That's annoying. But we're here. We got it. Yay. You we can, back. I'm so glad everyone can hear us loud and clear. I hope everyone else is glad, too. <laughs> uh, Kat. Great to see you. The day's <laughs> you beautiful. Up. You're beautiful. Oh, it's hump day. Happy it hump is. day. We're recording on hump day. Yes. And hopefully if Nick stays on top of recording, it will be released on hump day. So <laughs> double hump day to you all. Oh, there. yeah, it's one of the double hump camels. Uh, Kat, what is something silly that you used to think as a child? So this immediately came to my mind. I don't know how silly it is, but... I grew up in a very small town, didn't really get um, (laughs) socialized with many people. It's pretty obvious. (laughs) We moved there because we had a lot of family there. So I was surrounded by family, but not a lot of people. So the first time I was really exposed to people that I talked to a lot, probably, was at school. And so I thought that I couldn't grow up to be a teacher because my first name wasn't Miss. That's a good one. (laughs) Oh, wow. So I'm thinking back and like, I mean, we went to church and stuff, but I guess I didn't call. I didn't talk to adults in church. Yeah. I don't know. You just kept yourself. So you thought every teacher, and I assume you only had female teachers to, to a certain point in your life. So you thought every teacher... A, a criteria was to be named your first name was miss <laughs> yep. that's so funny <laughs> that's really cute um, <laughs> i was very confused when i was told that wasn't the case so i was like but why are they all miss <laughs> um, that's awesome so my question for you is have you stuck to your new year's resolutions i'm proud to say yes all i have of all of them stretching bending yes running cardio yeah all the, of it asterisk cardio no, i read that thank you for that for remembering that yes i haven't been like running i'm getting back into running now that it's like 
you know, consistently 70s every day. But obviously it wasn't like doing that a lot when it was chilly. Um, but yeah, elliptical is my best friend at the gym. My feet are my best friend running on a nice day. <laughs> um, I'm reading a book a month. Uh, this week has actually been really busy, so I haven't had like made a lot of progress on my book but that's okay I still I've already read what it's April and I've already read four so I'm actually one ahead Um, I'm doing my stretching I'm not bending forward and taking care of my lower back I'm not spending money on clothes yeah no I'm, I'm doing really good all the things all the things do you feel a noticeable difference in your physical um I do I do on my back Okay. For sure. That's where like, and I, that's like the stretching and the leaning forward that definitely mm-hmm. comes into play. I still am trying to trim a little bit of fat off, winter fat, COVID fat oh off gosh. through my run. So I haven't really, really, you know, reaped the benefits of that, but no, but I feel, yeah, I, I am better for it overall. Well, that's good. Thank you. That's uh, inspiring. Yeah. I also have stuck to mine and it has not treated me right. Oh. People don't like it when I tell the truth. <laughs> People can just bite it, you know? Yeah, that's what I think, too. <laughs> I'm like, just, I don't know. Honestly, <laughs> I don't think people like for other people to be super confident either. I know that sounds yeah, weird, but they don't. I know what you mean. And as soon as you get confident in what you're saying and what you're doing, it turns people off. Yeah. We should... We should encourage other people to be confident mm-hmm. we should encourage other people to tell the truth and to stretch every day and to stretch every day and we should encourage other people to do what they want i saw an instagram video of some guy like absolutely going ham about the idea of people nowadays doing accent walls in their rooms like an, a wallpapered accent wall a shiplap accent wall an accent wall with like all their family photos and i was like it's a wall like let people do what they want like yep. Chill out. I love that, like, one person <laughs> said that, like, like side parts and skinny jeans are out. One person, and the world melted. The world melted. As if that one person mattered yeah. at all. No, chill out. Yeah, and quit giving, <laughs> yeah, quit giving unsolicited opinions. Seriously. No one cares. Yeah. Like, be, let people be. Let them be. Woof. Anyway. All right. Well, that was a good rant. I'm glad we got that off of our chest. I just have one thing to say. Yeah. Damn. <gasps> damn. Hot damn. Hot damn. Hot Hoover damn. Woo. That's where we going today. I still don't even, I haven't even like figured out like what state it's in. <laughs> it's in two. Excellent. <laughs> so your chances of being wrong really are cut in half. Yeah, they are. With this well, guy. Well, are decreased. Decreased, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the Hoover Dam is actually in two states, Nevada and Arizona. The Hoover Dam is a concrete arch gravity dam in the Black Canyon of the Colorado River on the border between Nevada and Arizona. It was constructed between 1931 and 1936 during the Great Depression. Its construction was a result of a massive effort involving thousands of workers that actually cost over 100 lives. Originally known as Boulder Dam from 1933, it was officially renamed Hoover Dam for President Herbert Hoover by joint resolution from Congress in 1947. Excellent. Cat. Except for all the people dying. Yeah, except for that part. Cat, um, we are going to go back and forth a little bit and talk about, obviously, like your plants and animals and history and all that. Um, at what point did you want to talk about how dams work? 
I can do it now if that is is better for you. I think you. that I think yeah, I think that would make sense. All right. Okay. So, I watched some videos. Okay. I've learned this in the past and probably most people have, but it it was interesting. So, dams are a lot like watermills, but they have one distinct difference. So, you know, like you're thinking about I don't I think of some European countries like Scandinavian European countries yeah. with the like watermills, right? Yeah. So, the water is flowing and it's turning this mill and then probably inside of the mill something is also turning, like cranking or something like mm-hmm. that. So, you're basically taking what they call potential energy of water, so the water moving, making it into mechanical energy that is then turning something else mechanically. So with a dam, you take all of those same processes, but then you add electricity. Cool. So in order to do this, um, you need two different things. You need a lot, a lot of water, (laughs) and you need an elevation change. Okay, simple enough. Right. So basically, um, the, the dam itself, I believe, is called the head. And so the water before it goes through the dam is called the headwater, and the water after it goes through the dam is called the tailwater. And you can remember that because it looks like a little tail. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Because there's going to be a lot more Uh headwater and then just like a little stream coming out of the tail. Yeah. So so basically the lot of headwater on the on the head side of the head, which yeah, I know creates a lot of potential energy and it is going to move through these pipes and the pipes go down into a turbine. The turbine spins around and there are a series of magnets that pass copper coils and generate electricity. Because copper is the staple conductor of energy. And jewelry in my opinion. The staple, staple conductor of jewelry. Yes. <laughs> but so essentially you go from potential energy to the mechanical energy turning the turbine to electrical generators. And then those electrical generators produce electrical energy that are trans distributed through transformers. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. And I don't think we should get any more into it. Yeah. There's That's a, a of- really good basic explanation of how it works groovy and i like your comparison of that it's a water mill but for the purpose of producing electricity yep so instead there's a lot going on inside it that is pretty complicated but basically in a very smart way it turns the movement of that water into energy through copper magnets magnets and magnets not copper magnets but copper and magnets copper and magnets yeah. Wonderful. Yep. Well, thanks for that little explanation it, on what a dam is. And the Hoover Dam creates a lot of energy. So the Hoover Dam is that times a ton. A lot. A few tons, yep. actually. Since about 1900, the Black Canyon and nearby Boulder Canyon had been investigated for their potential to support a dam that would control floods, provide irrigation water, and produce hydroelectric power. In 1928, Congress authorized the project construction, and then the dam began to be built in 1931. Such a large concrete structure had never been built before, and some of the techniques were actually unproven at the time. 
The brutal summer weather and lack of facilities near the site also presented difficulties throughout the project. Nevertheless, the dam finished two years ahead of schedule. When has that ever when happened? When has that ever happened? Wow, I guess two during the years. Depression? Yeah, happened? yeah, I mean... People were, were scared for the jobs. Thousands of guys working really hard on this. So it's still, I mean, whenever you like really think about it, not crazy surprising, but also like still, that's nuts. Yeah. Two years ahead of schedule for such a big project. Some quick stats about the dam. It cost $49 million in 1931, which would be $675 million today, which really isn't that much. No. Like there are... Like, I mean, still big projects, but there are, like, bridges, six to eight-lane bridges built today for a billion dollars. So this is, like, not—I mean, that's still a ton of money, you know, if you were, like, anyone except maybe four people on the planet. But that's, like, you know, seems pretty reasonable for such a big project. I agree. Um, It is 726 feet tall, 1,244 feet long. It's 45 feet thick at the top and 660 feet thick at its base. Its total volume is 3,250,000 cubic yards, which I couldn't find anything that that equates to. Like an elephant? I don't know how many elephants Empire State Buildings, right. I don't know what can fit oh, in this stand, but it's big. I saw a few things like that, but it was more like the height. It's like twice the height of the Washington Monument. It's, it's two times two times the width of a football field. Yeah, and I'm probably messing all this up. But but it's large. It's a, big, it's a big thing. She chonk. So I can't explain what dams do, but this dam is unique in for multiple ways, but also because of its shape. So even before Congress approved the Boulder Canyon project, the Bureau of Reclamation, Reclamation, am I saying that right, was considering what kind of dam should be used. And officials eventually decided on a massive concrete arch gravity dam. Um, And so I'll talk about in a minute how the shape of the dam actually like makes it work the way it does work better than other dams not better but for the size of it how it's able to be as big because Uh, of the shape that it's in gravity is a big thing all right so anyway soon after the dam was authorized increasing numbers of unemployed people converged down to southern nevada Um, And so Las Vegas was then a small town of about 5,000, then it grew to 10,000, and then it grew to 20,000, all of unemployed people looking for work. A government camp was established for surveyors and other personnel near the dam site, and it soon became a squatter's camp. So Hmm. it wasn't like very well organized. It wasn't like really great amenities. Just unemployed people at the time of the Great Depression were looking for work, and it kind of was just like, a rundown place, but people needed a job, so they all got there. Um, a total of 21,000 men worked on the dam for an average of 3,500 each day. Part of the contract that the company, Six Companies Inc., had for this uh, project was to build Boulder City. Mm, So they made a city to house the workers. The original timetable called for Boulder City to be built before the project began, but President Hoover 
ordered work on the dam to begin before the city was done. So that's why there became like squatters and, okay, and why yeah, it was kind of sense. just like a mess of why people were arriving. The work was supposed to start in March or it was supposed to start in October, but then it ended up starting in March. So not just like a couple weeks, couple months, but like a good amount of time early. So the site of the Hoover Dam endures extremely hot weather and the summer of 1931 was especially hot with daytime average highs of 119 degrees. What? Average? Average. Average. 119 degrees. Average. Yeah. That's ridiculous. That's so hot. There was no reason to do any of this. That's so hot. Um, So hot, in fact, that in a month span, June 25th to July 26th, 16 workers died due to heat. And actually, to escape the harsh living conditions, many workers started going to a nearby small town called Las Vegas. And this is how it began to be known as a place for adult entertainment and gambling. What? Vegas does adult entertainment? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and it all started with 20,000 men looking for work, building a dam. So how this dam was built is actually really smart and really clever. I'll be brief on it, though. To construct the dam on a dry riverbed, four 60-foot wide diversion tunnels were created with dynamite and then smoothed out with jackhammers. You okay? I'm I'm thinking. I'm trying to envision this. There were four tunnels, Uh 56 feet wide. Uh I don't know how long they were. Okay. But they were blasted. They were created through by blasting dynamite. Through rock. Through rock. Okay. In the canyon along the river. Right. The Colorado River. That rock that was taken from the blasts were then used to temporarily like, temporarily divert the water into the tunnels. Ah. So they just like took all this loose rock, threw mm-hmm. it into the river, and it diverted it into those tunnels. So it would be dry so that they could So it would be dry, yeah. Um, So some rocks still got through, but they did that a few times with that excavated rock. Um, And then at the final point of where the water could go, they were able to still pump that out because it was such a manageable amount of water. Nice. So as we all know, concrete gives off heat and then contracts as it hardens. Because of this, it would have taken 125 years for the dam to completely dry if all the concrete was poured at once. Oh my, 125 years? 125 years. That's how much concrete is in this and that's how dense this dam is. If all the concrete were to have been poured at once, it would have taken one and a quarter centuries for it to dry. My goodness. I know, that's crazy. Um, But also, if it would have all been poured at once at that time, uh, structural weaknesses would have caused Mm -hmm. the dam to crack under its own weight. Instead, the site was divided into dozens of rectangular molds, some as large as 50 square feet. And these molds were fitted with a series of steel pipes that carried cool river water that allowed the concrete to cool off quicker. And then once a layer of concrete was finished, the pipes pipes were removed replaced with grout, and then it was done over and over and over again. Wow, that's super Built smart. all the way up. It's actually really smart. Uh, so the concrete was cabled down in giant barrels down from the side of the canyon, and in total, 87 million cubic feet of concrete were used in the construction of the dam. And the Hoover Dam is held in place through a combination of its weight and the pressure put on it mm-hmm. by water. So is it 
is the headwater the top of the curve or the bottom of the curve? Or is the tailwater the top of the curve? Is what I meant to say. What do you mean? What's so, the top of the curve in your okay, mind? Okay, so is the headwater here or is the headwater here? Oh, so <laughs> it's so the curve is pushing into the water. Okay. Which leads us to today. The Hoover Dam created Lake Mead, which is mm-hmm. now the largest reservoir in the United States by volume. The dam's generators provide power and water to Nevada, Arizona, and California. And it generates 4.2 billion kilowatt hours annually, producing energy for 1.3 million people in those states. That is so much energy. It's so much energy. So much energy. I mean, it's so much water. Billions of kilowatts is yeah. so much energy. Uh, the Hoover Dam is a major tor- major tourist attraction, and nearly a million people tour the dam every year, which I think is really cool that it provides more. It provides power for more people than it has visitors. Oh, that is cool. That is a fun fact. The end. <laughs> the end. Dun, of dun. me. Of mine. Of history. It's great. Of construction. It's wonderful. It's very interesting. And Her- Herbert Hoover. Thanks, Herb. Do you think people called him Herb? Hoove. Hoove. <laughs> the Hoove Monster. That's what I would have called him. <laughs> the Hoove Monster. Do you remember the scene in Home Alone where, uh, in Home Alone 2, when Kevin was checking into the hotel and someone was like, Hoover, Hoover stayed in your room. Or like, the yeah. room or the hotel or like for the floor or wherever he was at. And he was like, the vacuum guy? And that's such an underrated joke because I'm sure like as adults watching it, they were like, ha ha. But as kids, it was like, you didn't know who Herbert Hoover was. Like, but everyone, like, even as a four-year-old, like, you know Hoover the vacuum. Right. So anyway, that made me think of that. Oh, Macaulay Culkin, congrats on your baby. He just had a baby with Brenda Song. Do you remember Brenda Song? London no. Tipton? No. From Sweet Life of Zag and Cody? Mm-mm. No? Okay, well, anyway. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's a small generational gap between us, but <laughs> it's real. Oh. Um, also, <laughs> congratulations on his sobriety and, like... That, too. Woof. Yeah. He was roughing it there for a while. Congrats, Grad. That's huge. Happy for you. Okay, well, we're going to take a short break and be back soon. Don't go anywhere. Made for you and me. Bum, bum, bum. I am. Um, I just chipped my nail. Oh, no. <laughs> just now at this moment? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's, gosh. It's tragedy because That's I'm about a... to paint them tonight, and now it's not going to be. Well, better to chip before you paint than after? I mean, I'm just going to, I don't know. Should we just cut off the whole finger? <laughs> the whole arm. Gone. <laughs> and my hair. Just get rid of all of it. All right. Pointless. So... I'm going to start off by talking about some of the obvious advantages and disadvantages of dams. I thought this was important, and it also adds to a little bit of the wildlife, obviously. So some of the advantages. This is really interesting because we just saw the whole shebang go down in Texas this year. Where yeah, they like, yeah. yeah. Dams are consistent and reliable sources of energy. Um, when they create them, you know, it would be very rare that the water dries up because of the way that they make them. Yeah. So, like, there's usually a large flowing body of water instead of just like, oh, we hope that this works. So consistent reliable energy it's also considered 
and we'll put an asterisk on this green energy or mm-hmm. renewable energy because yes, we're not um, using fossil fuels or I mean, some people think natural gas is green, but uh, we won't go into that philosophy right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you're you're taking something natural and renewable water, obviously, and you're using it to create power, which is super cool. It's also efficient. God, there's so many things I want to talk about that are so like boring, but like, well, it could be far away and that's not efficient and things like that. But no, it's it's more it's an efficient um, way, the mechanical to uh, electrical is an efficient way to create energy. It is, and it's built to last. I mean, it's not you know solar panels die after a while. Mm. Um, it's been around for a while. They haven't had to really do too much maintenance on it, yeah. which is really great. Uh, Besides tourism. Tourism? Yeah, they're good economically. If you got a cool dam, it's going to bring people to you and they'll spend money there. You can drive on it. Yeah. So it's not like a useless just thing. Exactly. Multi-purposeful. They could put some like artwork on it or something, but I don't think there is any. Oh, you could use it for a laser show. Oh, that'd be really cool. <laughs> yeah. People bungee jump off dams, right? Or is that just bridges? No, I feel like there's like a solid wall the whole way down. It wouldn't be wise to, but in case you come back and smack into it. Oh, that was funny. No, okay, I think we have a good list. Okay. Disadvantages. Um, expensive to construct. That's kind of, that's what my research says, but Nick and I just mentioned it really wasn't all that expensive comparatively yeah comparatively i don't think so and also infrastructure in general tails all this time is expensive Mm -hmm. a road a dam a bridge like all of it that's that's just like an investment it's expensive so and we just use the words reliable and efficient so you're gonna need a return on investment and that's what you get Obviously, if there is a failure in the dam, it can be catastrophic. So this is not as uncommon as we think. There's actually quite a few dam failures in history, and it's not good. I mean, it just releases a lot of water somewhere real fast, and um, so anything, and it's, I mean, it's like a tsunami, but not near an ocean. How unfortunate. (laughs) But today, we're going to talk about how dams disrupt the local ecosystem. So we mentioned that creating the Hoover Dam provides water and electricity to several states, actually, which is super cool, but it does it um, at the cost of some local fish populations. And it has greatly impacted the migration of several fish species, and three of them in particular are now... They're not necessarily endangered, but they're protected. Got Some it. of them, I think, might be more than endangered, like super endangered. Um, but the three that I saw are the, and these names, I don't, I don't know <laughs> what manchild <laughs> <laughs> named them, but it's the razorback sucker, <laughs> the bony tail chub, <laughs> and the humpback chub. <laughs> like what? So none of these fish are doing so well. Not the Poor sucker, guys. not the chub, not the humpback. Not the, none of them. Not the bunny tail. Uh, um, but can you, so a lot of these fish are like ancient fish. And can you imagine being a fish that like your, everything in your DNA basically just says, 
swim down this river and mate and swim back. Yeah. Maybe three times and then die. That's it. That's all they know. And then all of a sudden there's a dam. (laughs) There's a wall. (laughs) And you're like, I feel like I used to be able to go over here. Something's Something amiss. There's like the uh, the tree from Pocahontas, <laughs> like the ancestor. Yeah. It's like <laughs> telling them there used to be a way through, but now you have to go through this tiny hole that makes electricity. That won't actually work. But anyway, so yeah, um, I just wanted to pick one of the three fish and talk a little bit about them. So I picked the razorback sucker. You would. <laughs> That means nothing. I just said that. So, ironically, um, it has a prominent hump between its head and its dorsal fin. So this fish looks like every cartoon fish that tries to go through. You know, what are the things called in Harry Potter that are just circles that you're supposed to, like, put the ball through? The hoop. A hoop. Okay. So (laughs) you know when, like, fish get stuck in a hoop and the, like, their head gets small and skinny and then it, like pushes all of the like I guess it's not fat but like what it would be um backwards on the other side of the hoop so like not something that's possible it's just like I do not know what you're oh, saying oh man well you should look up a razorback sucker because that's what I think it looks like and maybe you can hey, explain it again all right so say a cartoon fish is uh-huh. going through a hoop that is smaller than its body and its face gets stuck in the hoop, so its face is, like, skinny and small and going through, and then everything else is kind of pushed back. Okay, so literally, like, every other scene from Tom and Jerry. Yes. Where they're squeezing into something too yeah. small for their body. But I think I was thinking about something from Finding Nemo that I can't remember. Very exactly. possible. Going back to <laughs> the sucker is a native species of the Colorado River, um, dating back three million years. It has almost a, as long as it would have taken for the concrete to dry. Almost, but all of them poured at once. Right. <laughs> the poor fish would have appreciated that. <laughs> um, and they had a very long distance migration in the past. So, because their migration can now not be complete. The populations have just, like, basically, they use words like decreasing and things like that, but it's just, like, it's gone. Mm. Um, today, all of the populations of razorback suckers are supplemented with stockfish, except for in Lake Mead. So the Lake Mead um, populations are the only populations comprised of wild fish. Wow. They done killed them. They done killed them. All of them. To make some kilowatts. Did you look up a picture? Yes, I did. That was a really good description. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So on to the next aminal. The desert, and I'm going to say it like this because I want to. And I heard someone on another radio podcast say this because she was from Scotland and she had never said the word before. Oh. So the desert tortoise. 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 I like tortoise a lot. I'll say tortoise because they'll probably annoy people if I say tortoise. This desert turtle has a light brown to white humped shell, and they are easily recognized by their thick elephant-like legs. And it says that on every single website: elephant-like legs. Elephant-like legs. So I guess you can just imagine like their little hooves and like the you know I don't know. Yeah. No. I I I get it. They are herbivores, so they don't eat aminals or um, 
insects. They just eat plants like grasses, blossoms, and cactus. Cool. Um, and obviously, it's very hot at the Hoover Dam. I don't know if we've mentioned that 119 degrees hot. average. But um, so they usually go out to eat um, at dusk or dawn so that they can see, but it's not too, too hot. They actually use their little chonky legs to burrow. So they live 95% of their life underground. Wow. Whether it's summer or winter, they're underground. We've talked about that in um, other episodes. Like, if you live in the desert, you want to be cold, go underground. You want to be hot, go underground. Underground. (laughs) And they can live to be up to 100 years old. That's awesome. They've lived in the desert for millions of years, even before it was a desert. Today they are rarely seen, and in some places they have disappeared entirely. I'm always such a womp womp. I know. Like, but we gotta care. We gotta care. We gotta You're care. Right. We gotta care. So this one, um, I, I think the Roadrunner is the only predator of the tarantula hawk. I should have looked that up, but I was so confident in myself before I just started talking right now. Whether it's only or one of, still. Very impressive. <laughs> Super impressive. <laughs> um, so tarantula hawk. It is a wasp. It's a wasp. With like copper wings. And it's named after two other animals <laughs> that it is not of. Nope. nope. That's weird. Yeah, it's not a hawk that at all. <laughs> um, or a tarantula. Right. It's a wasp. <laughs> so basically this wasp, um, the females have these like hooks on the on the ends of their legs and they grab onto victims i'm assuming <sighs> lots of tarantulas but other bugs and things like that and then the they they paralyze them with a stinger <laughs> this gives me pain to think about have you what's the last time you got stung by a stinging insect Maybe four or five years ago. I think that's actually the same amount of time it's and been it was since a wasp. I got. I got stung, I think I got stung by a yellow jacket, and it was oh, it's horrible. They're so mean. They too. are so mean. Do you know if these animals do anything good? Like other than like you know, exist chamber of commerce. What is it called? Chamber of commerce. <laughs> What's it? The circle of life. <laughs> other than the food chain, the circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> Other than, like, their place and the ecosystem. Like, do they do anything good? Because, like, stinging insects are the worst. Well, they are nectarvores, which means that they are probably pollinators. Oh. So, um, we'll get... I mean, that's good, but I hate that. They actually eat so much nectar. um, Sometimes they'll consume fermented fruit, and they'll get so intoxicated that... They can't fly. And that's funny. <laughs> so at least they're funny sometimes. <laughs> so anyway, this female paralyzes her prey. She takes it down into a hole. She um, lays an egg inside of the prey, and then she covers the hole so that her larvae can wake up and feed on the spider before it fully becomes a tarantula hawk terrified terrifying little thing and pops out that's a horror movie mm-hmm. so only the female sting and it's said to be one of the most powerful stings on in the world but they're not aggressive and they really don't want to sting you well good yeah and the males don't sting they just uh like to 
get drunk on some nectar and they sit on top of really high plants and just like look for females dragging something into a hole to lay an egg. Oh, okay. Weird. It's a very interesting life, the tarantula. It really is. Um, I did not realize it was going to be so fascinating when I picked it, but here we are. Nuts. So I have picked two different flowers. One has a story. I will say from the beginning, and I put the pictures of the flowers on here, they're very similar looking. You know, These are the same flower cat you're pranking. <laughs> I don't know if it's just like desert flower. Like I've seen a lot of de- colorful desert flowers, but both of these are big white flowers. I love a good big white flower. <laughs> Me too. Beautiful. So the first one's the one I have a story about. Um, and it's my story is not exactly this, but I'll tell the story first. So I um, was going to go, this was maybe six or seven years ago. I was going on a first date. And my hair looked awful. So my next door neighbor, hard to believe, but it okay. looked ratty. My next door neighbor was a hairstylist at the time, and so I got in one of those like quick after five haircuts yeah. from her. And so she told me to just go up to the place and knock on the window, and she'd come open the door. So I do that, and there's this plant in my way, and so I like you know. Just, I don't know, like lean on the plant a little bit and knock on the window, go over to the door. And about 30 seconds later, my legs are on fire, <sighs> fire. And it looks like someone has whipped me with a very small whip across my legs. Ooh. And I was like, what the heck? And of course, like I'm on a date, so I'm wearing like a little dress and everything. And she's like, oh, someone came and stole our plants off of our front porch. So our... Boss, replace them with stinging nettles. Oh, my gosh. So that if someone were to come and try to steal them again, they would get stung. But instead, I got stung. Instead, you got stung. That's not fair. And I looked like I had... Now, I had to go straight from haircut to date. And I looked like I had been just whipped across my legs with a oh very small and it lasted until like the next day wow. i have like really like sensitive skin to things like that but yes so this is called the rock nettle i don't think um i don't think it's the exact same kind but they're in the same family so this plant is found in dry rocky places um like near canyons or dams and um basically this one instead of just having this the one that stung me was just green greenery this one has lots and lots of white flowers and they um kind of make a mat of white flowers you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and if you go to pick them it's actually the nettles are on the flower yeah head so ouch So the second plant is also a big white flower, as I mentioned, and it's called the sacred datura. And it's an unusual desert plant because it's more green and leafy. So some people call them moon lilies. Okay. um, Because they open up at night, which makes sense for a desert flower. It doesn't want to open up during the day when the sun's going to dehydrate it. It's going to open up at night, yeah, when it might get some moisture and things like that. Moon. I get it. Mm Mm-hmm. This is a poisonous plant, but um, it's actually been used um, in several different ways. One way is medicinal. So they would just give small amounts of it as anesthetic or narcotics before surgery. And I'm assuming this is before 
other like yeah no i was saying this is a while ago um, like like the 90s <laughs> um, like, that's so cool though right and then also religiously um native americans have used the sin ceremonies as a rite of passage i'm assuming yeah right so the shumash and the tongva uh, tribes. So the Shumash, when a boy was eight years old, his mother would give him a preparation of mamoy to drink, which is this plant. And it was supposed to be a spiritual challenge to help the boy develop into a spiritual well-being um, to become a man. And not everyone survived it. Oh. Yeah. Damn. Hoover damn. Damn. Yeah, you really are a downer. <laughs> right. So then That's nuts though. When they were eight years old. Yeah, like grow up, kid. Become a man. Take this hallucinogen. Gosh, yeah, take this poisonous flower and if you live through it, tight. And if you don't, Oops. might be. Yeah. That's crazy. Sorry I made this for you. But yeah, so then I went on to read about people using it recreationally. Um to go on trips and um, <laughs> from what i saw just don't do it don't like do it. it's not clear. worth it you can die um you can have really bad trips um lots of bad things can happen so just don't do it yeah just leave them in the desert right leave it as it is mm-hmm. leave no trace leave no trace yeah all right well that's all i have do you have any questions no all right. Do you have any fun facts? I do. Oh, I have to do mine first because I read yours and mine complements yours, but mine goes first. Hard hats were first used during the construction of the Hoover Dam. This is true. They were created by dipping, by workers dipping their sun hats in tar and letting them harden. And then they, that's the, how the first hard hat was created. That does not sound like it would be very comfortable to wear during 119 degrees but no hard hat is yeah no i agree better than having falling rock hit you and kill you when you could have just worn a diy hard hat (laughs) truth building the dam was tough and dangerous work for which men were paid an hourly wage ranging from 50 cents to a dollar and 25 cents Officially, the project had 96 construction-related fatalities from such causes as falling rock and run-ins with heavy equipment, but some sources contend the number was likely higher. Did you know that the Hoover Dam is one of the seven industrial wonders of the world? I didn't. Well, it is. (laughs) (laughs) It was a great feat and an engineering feat, and uh, you can read some fun facts about that on your own time. Which we encourage you to do. So cool. So much concrete. During World War II, the dam was a target of a German bomb plot. In November 1939, with World War II underway, U.S. officials found out about an alleged plot by German agents to bomb the Hoover Dam by planting bombs at the intake towers to sabotage the power supply to Southern California's aviation manufacturing industry. After American authorities learned of the plot, private boats were prohibited in the Black Canyon, stricter regulations for dam employees and visitors were enhanced, and a variety of other security measures such as physical barriers and increased sighting were put in place. And, spoiler alert, 
the dam was not bombed. Sabotage is one of my favorite words. Sabotage is such a fun <laughs> word. Sabotage. Saboteur. All right. The amount of concrete in the Hoover Dam is enough to build a two-lane road that stretches across the entire United States. What? A two-lane road meaning one lane going one way and another lane going the other way. I didn't ask the website for more facts. I think that would be a two-lane road. Wow. That is crazy. That's a dense dam. Thick. That's a thick with two C's. Damn. Wow. Okay, my last one is, if you drink water from the tap at Disneyland in Anaheim, California, that water is coming from the Colorado River and Lake Mead at the Hoover Dam, 300 miles away. Take it away. Bring us home. Every U.S. state helped furnish materials for the construction of the Hoover Dam. That's a beautiful fact. Mm-hmm. Hoover Dam's mascot dog is buried on site mm-hmm. near the Hoover Dam Tour Center. So I want to read his little plaque. The Hoover Dam construction crew mascot was found as a puppy by workers at the construction camp. The dog traveled to and from the dam site with them and spent days visiting the many work areas. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I won't. Oh, man. Oh, they put way too much information. Don't read the rest. Oh, no. Does it say how he died? Yeah. (gasps) It's not happy. No. But they buried him the same day. <laughs> you didn't finish. You didn't finish reading Look, the fact I, before you put it. The one thing I, I told you about myself from the beginning, before we started this, I don't like reading. I don't like it. There were way too many no. words. But look, he was. He was. He's been. I mean, he's been given a better grave than the witches at Salem. Honestly, probably be given a better grave than me, which is like totally fine. All dogs deserve just the best. All right. Well, Kat, any questions, thoughts, comments, critiques, philosophies, intuitions, or ambiguities? So I just read today, National Park Week is just around the corner. Parks, programs, and partners across the country will host a variety of special events and digital experiences from April 17th through the 25th. There are nine themed days during the week that highlight different ways everyone can enjoy national parks. Join us on social media and... By join us, I mean join, well, May for you and me and the National Park Service. <laughs> Check out each day's themes, find in-person and virtual events, and stay caught up on all things parks. They're trying to do our oh job. Oh my gosh, that's literally what we Who do. Who does the National Park Service think that they are? That's despicable. I don't spend <laughs> hours every week researching, recording, and doing social media for all very humble number of listeners that we have just for the National Park Service to turn around and steal our likeness. They have 20,000 likes on this post. (laughs) (laughs) Dang. (laughs) Okay, well, we have some catching up to, I guess, for the National Park Service. Well, if you found this episode even just a little bit interesting, you should share it with a friend. I would love it if a friend hit me up with a text to a link of a podcast and they were like, hey... Damn, this is interesting. You should. Are you like? Are you over my my damn jokes for the day yet? This is interesting. You should check this out. Follow us on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my 
my gosh. <laughs> so good. Sorry, I time ran out. Just, wow, that was so much funnier than it really was, but I loved that. <laughs> oh my gosh. M-F-Y-A-M podcast to stay up to date on all episodes, releases, and see photos of the amazing places we talk about in each episode. Slash stay caught up on all things parks from us or whoever you decide to get your information from. Thanks for listening to us. You'll hear from us soon. You're beautiful. Bye.